0: Kia rama,
1: Nelateko. Defending your right to speak and to listen. This is the Free Speech Union Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Free Speech Union Podcast. I'm Free Speech Spokesperson Dane Giroux. And with me today is Daphne K. Whitmore of Speak Up For Women, a group that we have been supporting who had been deplatformed from a series of New Zealand City Council buildings. So we have some good news today, don't we, Daphna? Would you like to um, enlighten the audience?
1: Yeah. Hi, Dane. Um, thank you for inviting me on. Yes, we got very good news this week. We won a court case in the High Court and it has been a really big victory for civil rights and free speech in New Zealand.
0: That's great. Uh, yeah, it's such great news. So uh, for, for anyone who, you know, doesn't know the saga, because it's quite a saga, isn't it, for for, for you it guys? you've been You've been through quite a lot, I have to say. Through the rigour, I would say. We, we do have some other podcasts that were recorded recently with one of your colleagues, Beth Johnson, but... It, Sum up for us, you know, in in, in a minute or two, just, you know, what brought you to this point, to this great victorious week?
1: Well, um, Speak Up for Women is a grassroots organisation and we formed three years ago to campaign against a piece of legislation that we think will undermine the rights of women and girls. Um, And we wanted to have a discussion about the legislation and we came up against... Um, a lot of obstacles. We've basically been subjected to a three-year smear campaign and uh, deplatforming by activists and um, we really had had enough and councils around the country were capitulating to the bullies and we were up against um, all sorts of spurious reasons for cancelling us. So And most of them were around uh, health and safety claims. And um, so, yeah, it was really a case of a David and Goliath situation where we, we took on the councils and took them to the court and said, look, we have rights under the Bill of Rights Act. We have the right to occupy public spaces like any other citizen, and it's wrong to try and shut us up, frankly.
0: So when we say health and safety, and I touched on this with Beth, but we'll just you know, clarify it here again. We're not talking about, you know, are you going to be blocking exits and is there a fire risk or you know, are, are protesters likely to storm the stage and, and, and create issues for audience members? We are talking about uh, mental health, safety and well-being, the concept of well-being. So this is, uh, like I said to Beth, extremely woolly territory because you could use that really to shut down anyone. So, uh, you know, we could choose not to be cynical and take them at their word. But for me, I I find this stuff incredibly cynical.
1: It definitely seems that way. And it's very intangible too. So what the councils were essentially doing was saying, um, we we are going to move you on or you can't use this room because we've had some complaints from the public or from staff members and people who essentially have hurt feelings at the thought of you using these rooms, or they don't like your opinions. Um, and I have to say, most of them have not engaged with their opinions and would be rather ignorant of them. And um, therefore, yes, we consider this a health and safety issue, and you can go elsewhere. So there really is that was part of the smear campaign to it. It had that effect that people were believing these mischaracterizations of us and we've been called um, transphobic and a hate group and the court really cleared that up and pointed out in quite forceful terms that there's no rational way you could conclude that we are a hate group.
0: Well let's talk about, um, so there were two cases um, and we'll talk about the judgments and if you want to go through some of the points there that could be really really helpful. So there was Auckland and there was Palmerston North. Now, uh, the outcomes are slightly different, aren't they? And I know there are some uh, points that you, you can't discuss openly uh, with Auckland, but should we start with Auckland anyway? Uh, mm. So what was the judgment there and and, and, and even a little bit of, of the run-up in, uh, into that
1: judgment? Yes, well, it's, there's been a series of councils that have cancelled us um, and, and some who have backed down and some who haven't cancelled us. So Actually, prior to this, there was Nelson Council allowed us to use their rooms. There were no problems. Um, People who were opposed to our position had a peaceful demonstration. Everything was fine. Um, Dunedin City Council, we've negotiated an agreement, and they have come out and said, the CEO said, very much in support of free speech and those rights. Auckland Council has a history of moving us along after being harassed by some activists. Um so when we went to court, Auckland council were arguing health and safety. Um yeah, some of this has been suppressed by the court and so I can't talk about everything. But one of the aspects they brought to the court was or an argument they put was that the city council had decided as an employer it had to do better and it had to look after the health and safety of their workers not just at work but In their entire lives and that, um, you know, if you were happy and well at work, it affected your whole life. Okay, up to a point, yes, but it is an incredibly paternalistic attitude for an employer to take that they are now going to be um, kind of in charge of your whole life.
0: They're they're, going to be your personal therapist, It's going to move with you from work into the home as well.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, we're going to I, ensure that you're happy in all spheres. Not just when you're at work, but you know, out of work. Because people who were complaining about us using rooms were not even going to be in the building. They were not even working in the venue. Not that those would have been rational excuses either. It's very infantilizing, isn't it? To treat workers like, you know, your employer is, is responsible for your well-being and happiness outside of work.
0: I I find that really creepy. But once again, I'd say this is cynical. I'd say that this is just something that sounds embracing and warm, but it's really just there to shut down ideas they don't like.
1: It's smothering too. And um, yeah, whatever their motives, it doesn't stand in law either. The Health and Safety at Work Act is at work. And that's what our lawyer pointed out. You, You cannot impose that law outside of work so they failed on on that count and um anyway they we we've settled with them out of court because they have uh, reinstated our meeting and offered us um, a very nice venue which we cannot complain about
0: okay so Palmerston north that was a real total victory wasn't it like you were completely triumphant so talk us through that one
1: I think I think possibly the intentions of the the staff or the librarians, heads, um, whoever decided in Palmerston I think they they just completely misunderstood the Bill of Rights and they decided that they that had some complaints and therefore they would try and keep everybody happy by cancelling our meeting and arranging a new meeting in which a range of viewpoints could be heard. One, they had no right to cancel our meeting and we had the right to hold our own meeting. Um, We have no guarantee that they would be able to arrange the kind of meeting they were proposing, which we weren't opposed to having a debate. Happy to do that, but we're very much opposed to having our meeting cancelled.
0: Well, debates are great. And I mean, I would rather have a debate against someone who opposed me than than not, uh, than just stand there and do a speech, to be honest. But there's a principle going on here you know uh you can do it but only in this one only in a certain format i mean they're not the authors yeah. of these of, of what meetings you i think i made that the, the joke earlier that it's like the masons wanting to hire a hall and, and them saying yes but only if you all wear gorilla suits it's like well yeah. no you don't get a right to say that
1: exactly you know? i mean mm. they they, they sh- they don't have the right to set their agenda and the content of the meetings, and the judge uh, put it to their council right. So you hold pride, you know, there are pride events that go on for pride, the whole month of pride month, and does the council say to those people in those, those events, well, look, some people have a different viewpoint here, um, and I'm afraid you have to include opposing viewpoints. You know, that just doesn't happen.
0: No, it doesn't happen. And it really speaks to the bias that someone would think that, that your um, uh, group would, would need a counter when, yeah, those other groups wouldn't need a counter. It really just does speak to the bias, doesn't it? It
1: does. It does indeed.
0: So th- there, was a lot of, there was a lot to be happy about in the judgments, which I know that you've put quite a few segments of it online. Um, you really want people to see it because there's a lot of good stuff in it. So what are some of the highlights for you?
1: Well, the overarching theme was that the Bill of Rights protects our right to um, free assembly and free speech. And people can be offended and dislike what you're saying. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you, you do have the right to um, free speech and freedom of expression. Um, we're very happy that it is put in black and white, that you cannot rationally describe Speak Up For Women as a hate group. Um, the counsel- So, were
0: people making that trying to make that case in the court? Were they trying to say that you are a hate group in the court?
1: They didn't actually, the, neither neither councils did. but the okay. people who had gone to the councils to complain and demand that we be deplatformed have been running a smear campaign against us with that line.
0: See, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because it's like they're going in and they're defaming the group. Um, mm. And and it's not a matter of opinion. They're defaming the group and the councils are just taking their word for it.
1: Yes. It's hard to know what's going on in their heads, really, because whether they just think, oh, well, this is easier. We'll, we'll not allow this group and save ourselves some bother. And we don't want to be the subject of a Twitter mob or whatever it is. But they... They really need to understand the Bill of Rights. They need to train their staff in those rights as well so that they understand they're not going to be the arbiters of the content of people's meetings and that they can't push people around in this way. So
0: some of the feedback on Twitter, obviously there's been a lot of... um... Uh, jubilation and, and even a lot of uh, women's groups from overseas i, I, I see uh, have been um retweeting you and and so forth so that's that's great um it's obviously excited them because a lot of these battles are happening all over the western world now aren't they like feminists seem to be becoming quite marginalized um, again um and uh, I think any of these wins is is a win that seems to be shared by you know the wider collective, But have you had any, you would have had a lot of sort of negative feedback as well. Uh, Anything there of note to talk about or or any people of note maybe that we should be keeping an eye on?
1: Maybe I'm just not focused in that direction, but I've mainly seen positive feedback. What I've noticed is silence and the silence um, from some quarters has been for a long time. For instance, the trade unions, they should be speaking up and Defending workers' rights, uh, you know, like they—they've ignored these cancellations. They've ignored the bullies who have gone after people in their workplaces. And you can say the same about the Civil Liberties Group. And I think, you know, as long as they remain silent, they are becoming less and less relevant. And that's why we see organisations like the Free Speech Union developing, growing. Um, you know, taking important cases. And this is also. The case that we had was really a continuation of the Moncrief Spital court appeal that the Free Speech Union took. And uh, was, the judgment was April this year, wasn't it? So this is the first case. Um, so it's quite significant that it's the first case to follow that court of appeal ruling, which stress that you, know, you do have to uphold the Bill of Rights
0: i mean we we did lose the overall case there that was the uh, the case that got kicked off by phil Goff and and um uh, when he uh well he didn't he tried to pretend he did but it was actually um the uh, the council on on another health and safety issue in that case there was a threat but the threat probably should have been met by um coordination with the police and so forth you know that that's what we call a thug's veto when when a thug can just really you know, make a threat and shut the whole thing down. Again, that could happen for any and all meetings if, um, mm. if people were prepared to do that. So that's why we're going to go back again and try to fight it again, because we want clarity there. And we we do want the courts to say, actually, you have a responsibility to coordinate with law enforcement and so forth, and, and, and ensure as best you can that these things can proceed. Our first ruling was not great. In the first ruling, the judge there said that, uh, free speech isn't really a of public interest and so the applicants had to be personally responsible for for the court costs which were quite exorbitant you know Mm. i mean that's nuts that's like saying a a climate change campaigner is doing it for his own purposes and not for for the greater good it's free speech of course it's for everyone you know
1: but um, the appeal case reversed most of that, didn't it, and found there was, it was public interest, so you were awarded... The yeah, there
0: was a, sig- a significant reduction, and but but we did get them say, yes, actually, you do have to um, uphold the Bill of Rights here, because what Auckland Council then was arguing is because a separate company was operating the lease to to lease out these buildings, they were private, so they didn't have to... Be subject to the Bill of Rights. I mean, that's that's pretty snaky.
1: <laughs> it is, and that, that oh. was that didn't stand up in court, did it? So that's that's no. been sorted out too by the appeal. One of the points that our lawyer made in court was that you can't waive away the the Bill of Rights and freedom of expression. So if you want to reduce the freedom of assembly rights, you have to have a bill before parliament. You know, there is currently a bill before parliament to reduce the the right to protest outside abortion clinics. And she used this as an illustration of that's how big a deal freedom of assembly is. You can't just chop and change the rules. It would take uh, an act of parliament to reduce those rights. And this
0: is a reason why, uh, it was important that the free speech union have something to say about that bill, because I know it's a very emotional issue. Um, you know, people being able to protest outside abortion clinics and, and you know, the potential for harassment or, or upset or, or, or whatever, but, you know, we are still talking about a right to protest. And if it's done once, uh, you, because we know who's out there at the moment, Daphne, you know, like I, we can see them saying, Hey, well, we did it here in this case. Let's do it in this case, you know. Um, uh, that's why yeah. I think it was so important that we we had something to say and we did do a submission, you know, against that bill.
1: Yeah, and I mean, who knows whether the bill will pass or not. Maybe it won't. But, um, yeah, it certainly did illustrate that it, it's, it's no small matter to do away with basic rights.
0: So, okay, now Wellington, we're giving you some problems there's still no definitive answer from them, is there? But they will be looking at this, these cases pretty closely, I would say. Are you are you are you prepared to go in again if if there if any of these councils are going to um, you know try to deplatform you at this stage?
1: I don't anticipate we'll have any problems going forward. Actually, because the court case was so clear, you know, it was really well worded. That it was very decisive. So we've booked rooms at in Wellington and um, there's been pressure put on the council and the council and sort of put our booking on hold and um, so we served them notice uh, of the court cases and really pretty much have invited them to be a party to the court case so they they did send a lawyer along and took notes and work and received the judgment so I think they will have a good understanding of where things lie now.
0: Well there was nothing that they were saying that uh, makes their that would make their case unique compared to the other cases necessarily. Is there?
1: They haven't. What they've done is just ignore our booking. They haven't come back with any yes or no. But we we the booking is actually well advanced. And one of the points too that the lawyer made in court for us was that when you engage the council and book a room and it's agreed. You base you have you have the rights of someone who has a license for that premise there were you know there are a number of different acts that we you know brought into play as well as the local government act in which the councils argued that they're for the you know the the health and well-being of, of the whole city and so on
0: well this has been quite inspiring and I think very important. Um, You know, the Free Speech Union, uh, we were able to support you with this in in, in various ways. Um, We've said it before, but we'll say it again. We're not taking a position on the topic here or anything like that. Um, uh, But supporting this group was incredibly important because, you know, if they could be banned from a council venue, indeed, anyone could find themselves banned from a council venue. And we, and that's just, well, as this established, it's just against the law, people, you know. So, so the obligation is there to fight it. These are basic rights. Now, I just want to say, I am so ashamed that our Human Rights Commission has had nothing to say about this. They didn't support you guys. And they haven't come out and said, you know, you won, the councils have to uphold the Bill of Rights,
1: Nothing, nothing. No. A wall of silence. Another institution that um, is looking like, what is it worth? You know, if, if you if you have nothing to say on any of these matters, are you doing your job?
0: Well, the answer is no. The, the answer is that it's not a Human Rights Commission at all. It's some sort of pressure group. I don't know what that pressure group is or what its, you know, overall goal is. But, you know, it's, it's getting very, very, It's getting tougher by the day to call it a human rights uh, commission or organization or an organization interested in human rights. This should have been, I mean, they should have been alongside you in that courtroom and alongside Mm -hmm. us in that courtroom. And the fact that they weren't is, you know, there's a crisis down there. And, um, you know, I I hope there's some sort of way to sort it out. But um, no, it's not looking good. But you know what? We'll just, like the trade unions, we'll just have to work around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and get people power involved with us. And it seems to be working. Like a lot of people have been very animated by this. Um, they've, they've reached, they've supported you, haven't they? There's been good support for you.
1: Yes, we have, we've had great support. And um, yeah, I particularly want to thank the Free Speech Union and I, I'm a member and so is Georgina Blackmore, who was the other applicant in the, in the court case. So she was the applicant for Auckland. And yes, we're both members of the union and um, it's been very worthwhile. And the support support has been absolutely great. Well,
0: yeah, you heard that, people. Uh, Do donate because we want to fill up our war chest for for any and all of these cases that come because it's like, as Daphne sort of indicated, like Wellington are going to find it pretty tough now to say no. Um, They could try, (laughs) But I, I don't think they'd fancy their chance. You know, it would, I, I don't know how they could fancy their chances. So, you know, we, we get these wins. It starts turning the tide. And remember, who wins at the end of the day? Every single New Zealander wins at the end of the day because this is about, you know, uh, creating a, uh, a, a space in a society, again, where, you know, um, anyone can get up and, 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 and say their bit, and and debate and and share ideas w- without fear and, and without without the smears i mean that's something else we have to think about it's like uh, how do we stop people just defaming in the way they do it it's so gross and so negative and 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 i have to say you guys are so strong because some of the stuff you've taken for years now is oh man i mean i just don't know how people can do that and conduct themselves in that way but you know you, you rose above it and you've had a great victory, and yeah, let's. Um, here's to many, many more.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's um, it always it always feels good. Anyway, upholding democratic values, you know, it's a worthwhile thing to do.
0: Great, and great talking to you as always, Daphne.
1: Thank you, Dane. Probably see you at our Wellington meeting. Thanks for listening to the Free Speech Union podcast. If you would like to learn more about us or find out how you can get involved or support, you can head on over to fsu.nz or check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Ka kite anō.